Welcome to Co-op Cast, a podcast where we will discuss cooperative and solo board games. My name's Steve, and today I've got a special guest joining me, Mike. Hey, everybody. Yeah, this is Mike Kelly. If you listen to our Co-op Cast channel, we're the other Co-op Cast. Uh, Colin was not available today. I'm sure he's out doing exciting, amazing things like moving. So, oh man, <laughs> yeah, I do not envy him at all. Uh, so yeah, we we decided to do a little cross pollination. You know, we've had uh, Colin on our show twice now. So here I am with the amazing Steve, and I'm really happy to be here. We'll have a fun episode for you guys today. Oh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna crush it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we keep kind of the same format. Um, we're gonna talk about you know what's what's been going on with us recently, game stuff. Talk about news a little bit. The news isn't as big this time around. And then we'll wrap it up with talking about the Golden Geek Awards. Yes, especially the cooperative category, which uh, is really cool for this last year because we had a lot of great cooperative games. And and by the way, I just want to say, Steve, I'm so excited to talk about the games that I've been playing because I'm not allowed to do that on our podcast. And, you know, until I get Peter to play games, we can do a review of them. I just have to sit on my knowledge and not share any of my thoughts with anybody. So this should should be fun because I've been playing a a few really interesting ones recently. Well, why not start us off with that? All right. Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, the big thing I've been playing, uh, not not to give too many details, but, uh, you know, Peter and I are game designers. We have Salvation Road and Dark Dealings are our two already published games. We have two games under contract that, you know, knock on wood, hopefully will be coming out end of this year or early next year. And at the recent unpublished board games convention, Unpub, which is amazing, we were uh, demoing and playtesting another game design. And man, this one, I think, is our best yet, our most thematic, our most fun. And we have a couple publishers really interested in it. So I've been playing the heck out of that one, trying to get... Not final content, but the best content we have possible because we're going to be sending it off to uh, publishers in the near future. But enough about that. (laughs) In terms of other people's games I've been playing, uh, the two big ones are Stuffed Fables and Legacy of Dragonholt. Have you gotten a chance to play either of those, Steve? Oh, I've not played Stuffed Fables yet. Uh, My buddy Elijah has it, and we're planning on playing that soon. But uh, I have played Legacy of Dragonholt, and with my wife recently on our... uh, failed <laughs> cabin trip in the mountains where we got snowed in oh that's right that's right you mentioned that in the previous episode yeah it was a completely failure because i did bring games so win-win there but <laughs> oh yeah man I'd, I'd rather be snowed into a cabin playing board games than hiking out in nature that just sounds terrible <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so, so quick thoughts about both of them uh stuff fables is uh by jerry hawthorne and from plaid hat games so Kind of a spiritual successor to Mice and Mystics. Uh, Mice and Mystics was not one of my favorites. I love the theme and I love the story elements, but I thought there were some pretty major issues with the gameplay that brought it down for me and maybe not want to get through a fuel campaign. Could that be luck? <laughs> uh, well, besides, yeah, it is luck and a few things, some fiddliness. Stuff Fables somewhat addresses those. And somewhat doubles down on them and does, like, the exact same thing. So, you know, I I guess for the designer, they're not issues. They're just features. Um, That being said, I'm playing it with my five-year-old. He loves it. It's his favorite game. It is a beautiful game. It's this gorgeous uh, storybook. So for those who haven't seen, it is a miniature game and basically a dungeon crawler. 
but all of the dungeons, as it were, are these fully illustrated, beautiful uh, pages in a storybook. And on one side of the storybook, you'll have both narrative elements and like full page storyline uh, narratives. And on the other side of the page, you'll have the actual board. So you're playing in these pages of the book, which, first of all, is lovely because it keeps everything organized. It looks beautiful in the printing. You don't have to like dig through tiles. Everything is played on a single map. And also just gives you this really strong narrative element because literally it's like reading. It's structured as though each time you play, it's reading basically a chapter in a children's book. And uh, so they'll have like an intro. They have like a little fairy tale that goes along with the game you're playing. And then you have one of two endings at the end, but also the possibility of losing earlier in the scenario. So the story elements are great. The components are beautiful. The miniatures are so much fun, especially the ones you play as. Like, my son can't stop playing with them. Uh, a lot of the mechanics are clever. I like the the dice mechanic. And there's also some issues and some weak scenario design that has led to broken games where I had to immediately change the rules to make it playable with my son. So, all that being said, I'm really enjoying it. We're about four... I think we're four missions out of seven, so more than halfway through the campaign. And we're definitely going to finish it. And I'm hoping I can get Peter uh, on the other podcast to play it sometime soon so we can get a full review in. But uh, yeah, for now, I would say uh, it's a cautious recommend if you've got kids. If not, there I would say there's not enough meat here to uh, play with just your full-on gamer friends, at least in my opinion. So I asked the question because I have a three-year-old. Um, is five the youngest age you'd recommend to play this game? Harrison, my five-year-old, can understand the mechanics pretty simply. And the storyline, while it does have some scary elements, is not above his head. He does get a little bit bored when the missions go a little bit long. And we sometimes have to leave a campaign set up and come back to it, which happily is not too hard to do. But yeah, I would... I could see maybe stretching it to a four-year-old if they're already a gamer at heart, but a three-year-old, I think you might have to wait a little <laughs> bit, Steve. Sorry. I know. he. Like, there's no way he can play right now at three. I was just thinking about maybe four. I'm, I'm so anxious for him to play something a little bit more. Like right now, we just play uh, Monza, the race car game. He's oh, like, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yeah. a great one. He just he like matches the colors and he has his own custom rules. We play with his rules. That's fine. I'm not a big deal at this age, but I'm just happy he's... He's interested in rolling dice, and he sits down with me and plays some other games and moves pieces around with for me, and sometimes moves pieces when I don't want him to, so I have to remember <laughs> where they go back. So, Yeah, I mean, we, we talk a lot in our podcast about playing with our kids, and it is like this this beautiful, golden like reward when they start becoming better and better gamers. I, I would liken it to when you meet a a partner, you know, and potentially a wife or husband that is a gamer, you know, that you can anticipate spending years and years playing with like it's it's like striking gold kind of like that so in the other game i've been playing which uh as you said you've been playing a bit too steve is legacy of dragonhold and i'm also playing it with my wife so very similar experiences there and we're uh we've done the intro mission i think three days in the city and one other sort of side quest mission so I think we're not quite halfway through based on the amount of content I believe is in the box, but, you know, sort of approaching that, like maybe a little bit more than a third of the way through. So for those who don't know Legacy of Dragonhold, this is basically a choose-your-own-adventure um, in the vein of, like, the Lone Wolf series of books, for those who have played those or anything like that. 
Uh, different, though, from a lot of those books is that there are no random num- number generation. There's no dice rolling. Everything is entirely determined by the skills you have selected, which I would say is both a strength and a weakness for the system, because I do think it's going to hurt replayability in that I know that the same stuff will happen if I have a similar character, regardless, because there is not, you know, like again, for those who played Lone Wolf, they would have just things where it would be like, roll a die. If you get a one to five, do this. If you get a six to nine, do this. And you would have very different encounters based on that. And here, I'm not sure if there's going to be as much variety. Also, I will say that the city days and nights are much less exciting than the more linear quests for us so far. And the storyline, it's it's well written. You know, I'm speaking as an English teacher and a writer myself. I think I think it's really well written. I think it's enjoyable. I think there's a good amount of humor in a lot of the characterization. It also drags at times, especially in the combat sections. Um, I don't know. W- without rolling dice in combat, I just don't necessarily see the point. <laughs> I almost think the system would work better for like a storyline that had no combat and was just like relationships and dialogue. But yeah, how about you, Steve? How far have you gotten with your wife and what are your feelings so far? Yeah, we've made it through the city, um, but I've actually played this a couple times through. Well, not like through the whole thing, but I've started a f- the intro a few times with a few different people. Yeah, and how how does it feel? Like, do you see different things or has it been pretty similar? It's interesting because you do see the end point. Like, I... I see the path they're going to, but there's a lot of different paths in the middle you can take, and there's different events that I, I didn't anticipate, and it's cool seeing different results. But I don't, I don't know how replayable it is now. I my understanding is once you play through, get to the end, you don't play all the the quest books. I guess you call them. I don't know what the actual name is. So there's some replayability there to see all the books, but sure. I don't think this is that replayable, but the nice thing is it's there's no destruction of the game, so you can just resell resell it pretty easily. Absolutely, I mean that that's my plan. I, I got it from somebody in a in a trade on Board Game Geek, and I'm gonna trade or sell it right along to the next person after I'm done. Yeah, that's a great idea. Now I have to ask, what type of character did you make? Oh, I'm. Uh, <laughs> it's funny how you know how people tend to have like their sort of tropes or archetypes they fulfill. So this is also the kind of character I play when I play D&D or most role-playing games. I'm almost always uh, the rogue. So in this case, I'm a like a cat person. I forget what the actual name of the race is. I'm a, I'm a cat person rogue with some manipulation abilities and like stealth and backstabbing and that kind of stuff. My wife, uh, and this is similar to what you, she usually plays, she's a uh, elven sort of warrior slash leader kind of paladin type person. How about you? What did you have? Yeah, so my wife chose to be a elf wildlander, so she's kind of, uh, she's from like the elf city, but she lives out in the wild, and she was teaching archery, and she grew up like a traditional elf, but she taught archery so long, she kind of got bored of it, and she felt like her life was meant for so much more, and so she wound up leaving the elf city to go out in the wild and kind of find her own way out in the wild. And she would help random patchbys that came by. It's funny how similar this is to my wife's character, who is, is also really? an elf, who also left elf society, and also helps random people, and is also good at archery. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> now, yeah, I want to hear how similar yours is to mine. <laughs> well, I don't think it's as much, because it's not a rogue, so I chose to be a human knight in that one. So, 
uh the backstory was he used to be a brawler and he would quick to he would be quick to help people those in need and he was actually knighted in the heat of battle so he's not a true knight but he is ever since that moment he wants to develop his skills and become more more like a true knight and so he was tracking a threat outside the city when he came across uh, my wife's character, the elf. And so that's how they kind of wound up uh, meeting each other. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, I have a lot of experience with role-playing games as well as, uh, you know, these kind of games. So we, we did the exact same thing as you. We just sat down, we read through all the, the background information on each of the races, and we just hashed it out, man. How do we know each other? What was our goal in life? It, it's It's fun. In fact, I would say, in my experience, 90% of the fun in role-playing is often in the character creation. And then you're like, oh, now you gotta, oh, oh I roll a die, I hit him, five damage. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's always more fun to just do that world creation at the beginning. Oh, I agree. I love the creation. And getting that backstory and those personalities, it brings the world alive. And if you, if you get a lot of people doing that, it everyone adds a little bit to the, to the world and it just builds on itself and makes it really fun. Yeah, totally. All right, so I've been sharing my game, Steve. How about you? Besides uh, Dragon Holt, what have you been up to? Well, this is kind of a perfect tie-in because I've actually been getting back into D&D. Hey, there you go. So um, I actually GM the Star Wars role-playing game from Fantasy Flight, but uh, my other buddy back in Iowa, he uh, GMs uh, D&D. And so we used to play back in the day, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But the issue is always meeting up and finding time to play and stuff like that. It's just, it's just hard to make work, make it work. But I met up with a local uh, gaming buddy in town, and he mentioned that he plays Dungeons & Dragons over Google Hangouts. I was like, what is this? And so what he does is he has three channels of this group, and he play 24-7. And so you log on to the Google Hangout channel. And there's one channel dedicated to the actual game elements. So you are describing what's happening, you're rolling dice, doing all the game stuff in there. Another channel is for uh, out-of-character but game-related questions, so stuff you might want to talk to GM. And the third channel is random crap that just happens. You like the random memes you post, the funny things that happen and want to chit-chat about. So that's what they do. Our group did. We created a Slack channel about this, and we have different subcategories in Slack. Yeah, yeah. And we also also added the dice roll in Slack, too. So we can roll in, in Slack and chat. And we're just starting it now. It's very slow-paced. But the one thing I like about it that's kind of fun is you're able to take your time and really set the scene. So instead of describing, like, yeah, my character is sitting by a fire and I hear a noise. Be like, yeah, the fire is crackling. You can barely uh, glimpse a... Some of her hair is sticking out from underneath the hood she's wearing, and you can smell the the potatoes she's roasting of the fire. That's really like let the theme and the world, you know, the sizzle in this, and it's really it's really fun so far. So sizzling like the potatoes, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, I, I I've pretty much only GM'd role playing games because I'm always the one who's like pushing my friends to play them. So I've mostly GM'd D and D in multiple editions but also uh like fate rpg and star wars rpg and a few other ones and i've, I've never done it through hangouts that sounds really cool what i have done several times to kind of uh address the difficulty of getting everyone together is i've played a lot of times over skype uh, a few times i've played just everyone was on skype and then i've also played where like three of us are together and then we skype in a fourth who couldn't make it that night 
And that, that works pretty well. Um, cause you do get through, like, I would imagine with the Google Hangout and people's different schedules, like it might take a week of messages being posted to actually get through an adventure. You know, with Skype, you're still getting like that one night, one adventure, that kind of continuity and, and fun narrative there. But yeah, man, I, I love D&D. Anytime uh, somebody gets the chance to play it, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been tempted to try to get this started amongst the co-op cast and see what happens. Now that, especially now that you're interested in D&D, it might be kind of fun. So I'm, I'm always down for, uh, for RPGing. I'll probably be a rogue and I'll probably be a, a, a somewhat dastardly one, but <laughs> as long as that's okay. My last character in D&D was pretty hilarious. He was a healer and he was a druid, but he was super awkward. And it wasn't just <laughs> awkward how I played him, but awkward how he rolled too. So, for example, like, I don't know what it was. I can never, I always rolled tons of ones in that game. And so we were trying to breach into this room on uh, this castle. And we each had these glass uh, jars full of acid. And we we're going to like break open these doors and throw these, throw, throw these bottles into this room. Um, like a <laughs> see where clear. this is going already. <laughs> yeah. So, so we do this and we go, we're throwing these bottles. And my buddy's like, okay, where is Steve? It's like, well, the GM's like, he, he's here. Okay, wherever he is, I want to stand behind him because if he's throwing that thing, I wouldn't be nowhere near his line of fire. So he, he says, okay, fine, you stand behind him. So I go ahead and roll my dice. I roll a two. And so the GM's like, yeah, Steve's character, he brings the bottle back, he goes to throw it, and it slips out of his hand and falls behind him. And the guy's <laughs> like, what? Are you serious? And it was just so funny. <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, my my, my most recent DMing, uh, oh, it's such a good adventure. Um one of our guys was a former uh, <laughs> gladiator, basically. <laughs> like, we, we created this world where, like, these gladiatorial games were, like, the main entertainment for everybody. And uh, the the main villain had threatened them unless he re-entered the gladiatorial games. But he was against this, like, similar to, I don't know if you follow Game of Thrones, but similar to the sort of recreated zombie creature of uh, the mountain that they have in Game of Thrones. So he was pretty much undefeatable. So the entire mission was everybody else cheating and like setting up all these things and bribing games like officials and stuff to give him a chance to win. Oh, God, it was a good adventure. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so besides the role play, you've been doing any uh, board games recently? Yeah, I haven't played a whole lot, unfortunately, um, but I did get a chance to play Spirit Island. Uh, play with my buddy Jake out on the West Coast. So this is remote remote play. Mm. I'll just describe a little bit of how that works. So we use tabletop simulator for that. Sure, sure. And so what we found out is we both want to play with physical components. We both own the game, and so we do a kind of mismatch. It's um we put the we use the board on tabletop simulator. So we have the pieces on the board there. We look at reference there, and then the cards we draft and the player boards we have on the player pieces are in front of us as physical components, and we have webcams where you sit there and chat and play. And it actually works out really well. So, yeah, we played that recently. And with the new expansion, I was able to try that out. And, man, I just love the game so much. So oh, much man, I, I love it too. Absolutely. And and that expansion is excellent. I agree. I, I know you and Colin talked about it a bit uh, on a previous episode. But, yeah, I think despite the events adding a little bit of randomness, maybe taking away some of the perfect strategy, I don't mind. I'm I'm all for it. Like, I love when crazy stuff happens, good or bad. 
Oh, I agree completely. I love it. Yeah, so that's what's been happening recently with us. Let's transition to some news. Yeah, what's what's coming out? I, I know you were looking up a few things that I hadn't heard about yet. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot of news that we'll cover today, but there's a few topics that I think might pique some people's interest. So probably the biggest one is a Gloomhaven expansion. Yes, I, I saw a little bit about this, and uh, I was a, a Kickstarter backer, so I've been getting emails about like a new kind of choose-your-own-adventure scenario thing that Isaac's doing. Oh yeah, um, I'm all for it, man. <laughs> so, so what? What's in this? I, I haven't seen all the details yet. Yeah, so this is called uh, Forgotten Circles, and there's going to be about 20 new scenarios, and it's set after you complete the base game. Which I'm not sure how many people <laughs> actually complete this game. <laughs> I was about to say I'm not that close yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you ever get to that point, I'm sure there's a few listeners out there who have. Lived completed it but i know a lot of people have this and they've got so much content to go through but anyway it's there if you want it but cool thing about it is it does add a new character class called the ace aether diviner so not sure what that's about but uh seven new monster types uh 14 new items and uh it's kind of a smaller expansion and they're targeting an essen release so after essen should it should be available and i've heard I've heard that this is sort of a like stopgap expansion. I I'm, I don't even think Isaac designed this one, if I remember correctly. I think it's like a friend of Isaac or, so, or like a big player of the game. And then I think this is all kind of preparation for a bigger release in 2019, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, I heard the same that this was endorsed by Isaac. But while this is coming out and being produced, he's working during 2018 for a, a big expansion for Gloomhaven, which is, yeah. like you said, next year. So pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> there's so many games to play, and designing our own games. I'm, I'm still probably only uh, about a third through the campaign in my solo play uh, campaign that I'm doing, and less than that in the group game that I'm playing. But I love Gloomhaven, and and really, what interests me the most, what I'm most excited about, are the new scenarios, because the, one of the few knocks I have against Gloomhaven is that a lot of the scenarios start to feel a bit samey in the main campaign. And in, for those who don't know, Isaac ran a sort of mini campaign during the second Kickstarter that had drastically different missions that were really exciting. Like the one that was the craziest for me was it's like you were cooking, like you had to like grab meat and bring it back to a grill while fighting off these monsters. And it was just insane. So I'm really excited to see more scenarios that get out of the box of like a standard walk through rooms, kill everybody dungeon crawler experience. So if this game has that, I'm all about it, even though, you know, I won't get to 20 new scenarios for the foreseeable future. That cooking scenario sounds amazing. I love that idea. It is so it's just so wacky and it's all available online for free. So if you have the game, just go, you know, you <laughs> It's just oh, there's so many cool ideas in uh, in that little mini campaign he ran, and now he's doing a new one, which I haven't gotten a chance to check out yet. But man, it's just like <laughs> how much content is this guy and his friends and his company going to throw at us just nonstop? It's crazy. I might have to talk my buddy Elijah to playing that cooking scenario with me later. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, man. Well, and, and the nice thing about it is that you start new characters for that mini scenario, and if I remember correctly, I think the entire thing was maybe eight or nine missions. So you can you can realistically get through that. It's not ninety nine. It's 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 like a week or two of play, and you're done. <laughs> oh, it's like a it's a self contained. It, it is a standalone mission. Um, yeah. So basically, what they did during the second campaign, and it was so fun, is uh, he would post a mission, and 
at the end of the mission, they would have an event card, like the regular event cards in Gloomhaven, and the players would have a choice. And he had polls on Board Game Geek where you would select your preferred option for what action to take next. And he would design the next scenario based on whichever option got the most votes. So the Board Game Geek community and the Kickstarter community helped to create a mini campaign. And yeah, it's completely self-contained. You pick your class, you go, you level up on a you know quicker basis, and then you're done and that's it. So it's it's really fun. It's it's and, and in some ways, like the first scenario is actually quicker and in some ways easier than the actual first scenario in the game. So I could see somebody kind of using it to teach Gloomhaven and get somebody really interested in the uh, the engine before they jump in full bore. That was Gloomhaven Forgotten Circles. All right, so what else is coming down the pike that you've heard about? So the other new bit of news I saw, and it really was only an image, and this was posted on April 1st, so there's always part of me that's like, well, is this a joke or not? But I think this is real as far as I can tell. So that was a sword and sorcery teaser for an expansion coming out. And all it was was a silhouette of five characters. I assumed them to be heroes. We'll find out. But at least you know that they're working on new content for that one as well. So another big dungeon crawl type game with more expansions coming out. Yeah, I like Sword and Sorcery a lot. I have not had the chance to play my Wave 2 content yet. Because I'm still, I think, one mission away from beating Wave 1. <laughs> so, oh, Lord, man. I just got to stop buying games, I guess, and just knuckle down and finish the ones I have. But it's so hard. Oh, I keep throwing my credit card on my computer monitor all the time. Whenever I see a new game, oh, wait, I want this. <laughs> <laughs> Does that work well for you? Does the credit card actually buy the <laughs> I wish. <laughs> the goods? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but I, I backed uh, Sword and Sorcery as well, and I got the second wave as well. I haven't started it yet. But um, my buddy and I are going to continue the campaign uh, starting next week. So, and then next coming episodes, I should have more to talk say about that game. But we did finish Act One, and that was quite fun. I enjoyed oh, good, okay, okay, yeah. I, I'm not quite there. I've not reached the first boss, but I'm excited to get those like master giant monster rules going. Oh yeah, definitely. I love the AI system in that game so much. It's so intricate. Oh, oh man, absolutely. It. We I with the uh the game we're designing right now is dungeon crawl ish. And I had played with something as complex as uh Sword and Sorcery before we decided we want the game to be faster playing. So we went much simpler. But yeah, I, I love it too, man. It's it's such a cool, thematic, like fun and simple way to uh control the monsters. In that and in uh Galaxy Defenders. Oh definitely. Yeah, I need to play Galaxy Defenders sometime. That seems really cool. Yeah, I actually, I actually slightly prefer it over Sword and Sorcery, at least for solo play. I think Sword and Sorcery is better for co-op, but Galaxy Defenders, um, it, it has an XCOM vibe. If you ever played the XCOM video games and like that kind of desperation and crushing defeat, and I, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I'm all about that. Yeah, it seems like uh, Galaxy Defenders is more tactical too, with positioning and stuff. Very much, very much, because you have a hex map uh, as opposed to you know in Sword and Sorcery, it's the area based, and right, pretty much that orc is going to get to you and attack you. <laughs> There's not right. much you can do about it, you know. Cool. Well, the only other bit of information I have is there is more expansion content coming out for Dresden Files, the cooperative card game. Yeah, yeah, I did see this, and I'm really excited because I was a I was a backer for that one too. Um, I think it's the Changes book, I think, is coming down the pike, which are, are you a Dresden Files fan? Have you read any of the books, Steve? Oh, yeah. I love the series. Oh, man, me too. I've read through the entire thing at least most all of them twice and some of them three times. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited for this. I think they also have an alternate Harry that is I don't want to spoil anything for the books, but a Harry that has different powers than he has. <laughs> 
So I'm really I'm 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 down for all of that. And I know the the app has gotten great buzz. Have you have you played the app yet? No, what is this? So they they have an official app of the game. Like with with the AI running everything and doing all the mechanics. And if you were a Kickstarter backer, which I was, but I haven't done this yet, you get all the expansions for free. They sent codes out to get all the expansions for free. That's awesome. I need to check this out. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I love Dresden Files, and it's quick to play anyway, and it's a small box. But, you know, if it's an app, you're going to play it faster. <laughs> you're going to play it more. <laughs> so not to spoil anything, but if you're not familiar with Dresden Files, it's um, a book series. And it's, how would you describe this? It's kind of a magic is real t- uh, scenario. It's kind of based around Chicago. Yeah, and- I mean, the the genre, at least to start, it's kind of morphed into more magical over time. But it began as basically a film noir detective series. But the lead guy is a magician, and he's investigating cases involving warlocks and werewolves. But that that's like kind of the, the quick elevator pitch. But these books are great. I, I will say for anybody who's like a a discerning reader and likes really good, like well-written books, Jim Butcher, the author, did not hit his stride until uh, book three and re- really almost into book four and book five. Book one and two are a bit painful at times. Like the story is still good, but... Oh, man, some of the descriptions and <laughs> details are just not well written. <laughs> so honestly, I would say either you got three great options. Skip books one and two and just read a summary online. You'll be fine. It's OK. Um, option number two, if you can find the audiobooks, they're read by uh, James Marsters, who played Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he <laughs> kills it. Oh, my gosh. He he brings Harry to life. It is awesome. So if you can find that, I think he's enjoyable enough that even the first and second book won't pain you too much. And then third option is to just knuckle down and read them. They're the shortest ones, like it usually goes. You know, all these series seems to add pages as you go along. But it's a great series. I think they're on 15 books. Does that sound right to you, Steve? 14 or 15? I'm way behind. I'm not sure anymore. Oh, so. man. Yeah, yeah. And, and the latest ones are great. Like, I, th- I think it's been getting mostly better and better. Um, yeah, and I think he's shooting for... 20 books total to kind of finish out the story or like 20 to 22 so we're getting close ish although he used to come out with a book every year and he's slowing down because now he has another series uh the codex alera i think which i've oh no codex alera already finished he's got a third one which is like steampunk and it's it's okay it's not as good as uh dresden files sorry cool. we're, we're getting way off I'm, I'm taking us into book territory this is not the podcast for books <laughs> quiet mike get back on target <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah, we're geeking out here. So, so sorry, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, speaking of geeking out, um, yeah, that's kind of the news. Let's uh, transition to the Golden Geek Awards. So, uh, for those who aren't aware, every year, Board Game Geek, uh, Aldi over at Board Game Geek, hosts the Golden Geek Awards, where uh, members of the Board Game Geek community can nominate games for a bunch of different categories. And then they also vote on the games, and eventually they end up with a winner and two runner-ups. And the runner-ups, they don't identify which is second, which is third. They're just both almost winners. And uh, we had this pretty recently. So we're going to talk through all the games that were nominated in the cooperative category. Uh, I've played almost all of them. Steve's played a few. So, you know, we'll talk about the ones we know more about in more detail. And then we'll reveal what the uh, runner-ups and the winners were and see uh, what our thoughts are on the results. That sound good to you, Steve? Sounds good. All right. So, again, these are just the cooperative game categories. If you want to see the full Golden Geek nominee list and rewards, go to Board Game Geek. And m- maybe Steve can put a, a note in the uh, like the, the comments of the 
I don't know how any of this stuff works. I, I'm totally <laughs> technologically illiterate. <laughs> like you, you, you throw the notes at the at the computer screen, and they magically appear in the podcast feed. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'll put a note down there in the uh, the podcast description for everyone. So there we go, podcast description. I knew it had a name. <laughs> so uh, first out of I think it's 17 games nominated for cooperative best cooperative game in 2017 is Seventh Continent, which I've played only solo. Have you played Seventh Continent yet, Steve? Not yet. I've talked through this quite a bit with Colin from One Stop Co-op Shop when he was doing his playthrough, so I got a pretty good idea of it. In fact, we did. Um, he did have a video feed, and we were talking through it remotely a little bit. Um, but yeah, my buddy in town is getting it, and so I'll probably be playing it more then. But this game sounds amazing. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, my only knock against it is that I thought it was a way bigger island, and now that I've played through two curses, it's not as expansive as I thought. But there's still so much content in just the base game and with the expansions and a new expansion coming out at the end of the year, which we've kickstarted. It, it's a good one, um, especially for solo play. I, I'm not sure I would recommend it as much for co-op because you're playing... 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 hours to beat a campaign and hey good for you if you have a friend that plays that consistently that long with you but i don't so that's a seventh continent yeah i was gonna make a quick note there that the art for that game is amazing if you haven't seen it yeah yeah it is it's 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 not like the most detailed art you'll ever see but really evocative really fun and there's so many cards in the game god i don't Mm -hmm. don't know what their art budget was like but good for them (laughs) Okay, so Seventh Continent, our first uh, nominee. Second one is Aeon's End, War Eternal. So that's the new version of Aeon's End. I've also played this, and I think it's a nice update to Aeon's End. Adds a lot of new stuff, but keeps the same good core deck-building mechanics. Not much else to say about that. (laughs) I love Aeon's End. Have you played the expansion? Oh, yeah. I've played this expansion, and this is one of my top uh, deck-builders for sure. Uh, My wife tends to, like, deck building quite a bit so she's not as much into this theme as like marvel legendary because she knows like the characters and marvel more this is just like random fantasy um but she likes the mechanics a lot and yeah it's a lot of fun yeah no i'm with you i would say this is probably my top deck builder right now too um but similarly my wife prefers the legendary encounters games because she's seen those movies or like firefly she's watched the show whereas again yeah this is not as familiar for her so that was uh, Aeon's End, War Eternal. Third one is Codenames Duet. It's weird, you know, I think we've done episodes reviewing more than half of the games on this list. But yeah, Codenames Duet, go check out our review. It's great. Uh, really good game. I love the Codename series. You you played uh, much Codenames, Steve? Oh my god, when this came out at Gen Con last year, this was by far our most played game. Nice. I think we logged probably a dozen plays over last year's Gen Con. <laughs> That's great, just a Gen Con. <laughs> just a Gen Con. And it was it was funny because we're like we played this game, like, man, we lost. Okay, well let's let's try again. We played again, like we just could not win for the life of us. And we kept playing and playing. It took us I think it took us all twelve plays to finally get a win of this. It was really yeah, hard I've, for us. I've I've had runs like that as well. Man, I think I think between all the iterations of code names, I probably have 150, 200 plays logged with that series. I love those games, man. They're the best. Solid game. I recommend it. That's code names duet. Mm-hmm. And next one, uh, we, we talked about it a bit already, but that is the Dresden Files cooperative card game. I think we already kind of said a lot, but if you haven't played it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Very uh, thematically tied to the books, so I think you will enjoy it more if you've uh, read the books. 
Again, we, we did a previous episode on this as well, so go listen to that if you want to hear all the details. Uh, it's a good one. First Martian, Adventure on the Red Planet. I'm surprised this got nominated. I know that this got a lot of negative reviews and a lot of negative buzz after the initial release. I have not tried this one. Have you played this, Steve? I have not, and I think it has a lot to do with the hype. It was just so overhyped. They had different expectations to what the game actually was. So it came out that really hurt it from the um, uh, meeting its expectations, I guess I want to say. So I've not played it. Um, I was very tempted on backing this because I'm a big fan of science, like that science type theme. Uh, sure. Like that. And I love Robinson Crusoe. That's a great game. Big yeah, fan I, of that. I enjoy that one a lot, too. I think... Uh... This was recently on a pretty major sale at Cool Stuff or one of those shops. So I bet with the mediocre sales, you'll probably be able to get a copy of this for like 20 bucks in the near future. So just keep your eyes peeled if you want one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, next one. Another one we've reviewed in the past is Flip Ships. Uh, I played it. It's a dexterity game. I don't like dexterity games, but it's fun. Oh, you got it? I got it. You probably enjoy it more than I do then. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's my... I went to the co-op dexterity game. It's not to me out there. And this one, it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. I think it needs it needs more. At least yes. for me. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, especially with the ship powers. They they need to really add more to this game. And I think it might be some something pretty good. I mean, I enjoy it for what it is. So, it's fun. I would enjoy it more if it was not a dexterity game and I played cards to shoot the ships. But uh, I don't think that's happening, so <laughs> we'll just move on. <laughs> that was Flip Ships. Uh, next one is a little-known game called Gloomhaven. Yeah, I've never heard of this. Already discussed. It's fabulous. <laughs> go, go, go listen to our review of it in the past. Uh, that was with Colin on it, so hey, uh, you get you get a burst of co-op cast love on that episode. Next is Kitchen Rush, which I am super into playing because I'm really I've been playing a lot of uh, cooking video games recently, and I'm all about trying a like board game out with a similar theme. But I've not gotten a chance to play it yet. Have you? I have not played this either. Unfortunately, oh, man, I would love to. I, I think that's Stronghold, if I remember correctly, and they they usually do good work. So yeah, I'm definitely all about getting that. Uh, Lost Expedition. I haven't really heard much about. You, you you said you're more familiar with it, right, Steve? Yeah, Colin did a playthrough of this on a One Stop Co-op Shop channel, on the YouTube channel, so you can go check it out there. Um, it's kind of a, how do you describe it? You choose different characters and you have this these event cards. You have to progress through this, um, well, trail into the jungle. And it's a lot of, uh, how do you say, kind of risk mitigation, resource management. So. Okay. I, I tend to like that, so maybe I'll give it a try sometime. So that's uh, The Lost Expedition. Magic Maze, another one that we reviewed on our channel. This is a real-time game. A lot of fun. I, I liked it uh, quite a bit, and it's in my collection. Uh, so yeah, good one, Magic Maze. <laughs> then we got Pandemic Legacy Season 2, which we have still not finished. I think we're on, like, October. So there we go, Pandemic. <laughs> we can't talk about much anyway, but I have Exactly, I was about to say, it, th there are months, and you play Pandemic, and <laughs> things change, and it's a legacy game, and there you right. go. <laughs> we have it too we're still playing through it my wife and i so we haven't finished it yet but yeah de definitely we have not like pandemic season one was a faster like kind of knuckle down and get it all finished i don't think it's anything against season two i think it was just more game like more good cooperative games kind of taking our group's time so definitely 
right, uh, and also nominated Pandemic Rising Tide, which I'm into playing because I really love Forbidden Island. So I think when you mix Pandemic with water, good things happen. So <laughs> the biggest one is like in the Netherlands, right? And that's correct. Like trying to stop the flooding of I mean, that's 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 an exciting theme right there. I often think about Netherlands water management, and that's just important to me. <laughs> have you played Rising Tide, Steve? I have not, for the reason you just hinted at with your description. Yeah, so, so I don't know when I'll get a chance to try this out. But hey, I've heard it's good. Uh, I watched the uh, Collins playthrough on One Stop Co-op Shop. It actually looks pretty good. The, the mechanics seem kind of fun, actually, with how the water flows and... You've got different levels you have to manage of it. it. I don't know. I'll give it a try. See, man, I'm really feeling Colin's absence, man, because he's played all the games <laughs> we haven't, you know? <laughs> if he was right. here, he'd be able to school us in all of these. Uh, third, uh, third to last nominee is Spirit Island. We've already talked a good amount about that, but that's a great game. Go check it out. And again, uh, Colin uh, visited the other uh, co-op cast channel to do a review for that, so go back and check that episode. Uh, second to last, This War of Mine. Have you played this, Steve? I have not. I was really tempted on backing this. Uh, the theme interests me quite a bit. Like it was, I don't know, focusing on different aspects of the war. But I was really nervous about how heavy it would be, how depressing it would be. And so I wound up not backing it. And I'm kind of glad it did because hearing what others are saying, this might be more too much for what I want in a board game. Yeah, I I don't know if we'll ever do a full review of this one, but we were not fans. And that, not not necessarily because of the theme, which is oppressive, but because of the gameplay and the difficulty level and a few things. So this would not be a recommend for me. But I know a lot of people like it. So, hey, more power to you. And last one, uh, another one we reviewed is Too Many Bones, which is uh, from Chip Theory Games. The production of this game looks awesome, by the way. It It's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe be, not <laughs> i don't be the negative guy at the, at the end of the list here but um for the price you pay i was not impressed i actually think i've played hoplomachus by the same company chip theory yep. games quite a bit and i like the production there better um at least in the first print run i don't know how things look for the later print runs the cards are like incredibly dark and often hard to read um the rules are abysmal and make it almost impossible to learn how to play the game like there's a lot of weak production things, and if you're paying hundred fifty dollars, whatever you pay for this game, that's not cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but you know, it's too many bones to let some fun. The character progression is pretty cool. The the simple but somewhat tactically deep combat is, is fun. There's a lot of things to like there. So that's kind of the whole list of cooperative games. So I kind of want to have a little fun here, and we both know who the winners are. But before we announce that, um. Out of this list, Mike, which one would you pick? Well, I, I, I would, I would definitely point you to our previous co-op cast episode where we went through all of the co-op games we reviewed in 2017. But I would be like my top three. What I would pick for for the top spots would be uh, in no particular order: uh, Spirit Island, Gloomhaven, and Codenames Duet. And I think those were all near like my top like three or four spots on our our list in our previous episode. I'll say there are some things on here or that are not on here that I'm kind of surprised by. Like I I think Sword and Sorcery would have qualified for this Golden Geek, but it's not nominated. And I think it's a much better game than a few of the ones on here. So I was surprised to see that. 
I agree completely. I think the problem with sword and sorcery is um the rule set kind of it's pretty heavy to get through. Sure. Talked with a lot of people about that, and it's kind of I don't know. It's shied people away from getting to that to the table. So. And the other one is I'm surprised maybe they just didn't qualify for 2017 because a lot of them started their series earlier. But we we've played a ton of and reviewed a ton of the uh, different unlock games like of uh, escape room games like Exit and Unlock and all those and I love the heck out of all of those and the fact that none of them are nominated again maybe it's just a glitch of the year they came out but I think again those are much more enjoyable for me than several games on the list here so hey is what it is I've not played Unlock yet I need to get one of those played sometime. Yeah, uh, Unlock is my top one out of the series because we've played now almost every... <laughs> we, we just devour these games in my game group, so we've played almost every single uh, expansion for every single one that's currently released. Um, but yeah, so I've got Spirit Island, Gloomhaven, Codenames, Duet. W- what would you say are your top three out of this list? Mine would be fairly similar. Um, I would I would actually want Sword and Sorcery on this list, but since it's not on this list, I would choose... Spirit Island, Gloomhaven, and then I would choose Aeons and War Eternal. Sure, sure. That's a great choice. Yeah, that'll be my third choice. But there's a lot of these that I would I could probably swap out here or there. Um Codenames Duets, definitely on my short list of top three from this. Yeah, and I, I really I mean I enjoyed almost all the ones I played. Seventh Continent I think is fabulous. Mm-hmm. I just don't th- again, I don't like it as a co op game. So I Fair. would not, like, in my solo, if it was solo games, it would probably be in my top three. Actually, I would say no no doubt it would be in my top three. But, uh, I again, I don't want to play 20 hours with, like, I don't want to wait <laughs> the weeks and weeks it takes to get through a 20-hour game with one person when I could just crank through it in a few days myself. Oh, definitely. So, uh, would you like to announce the runner-ups and the winner? Sure. So, f- again, these runner-ups are not in order, so I'll just go in the alphabetical order they're listed. One of the two runner-ups is The Seventh Continent, which, again, I don't agree with, but I think it's a fabulous game, so hey, it's okay. I just I just personally don't think it's a great co-op game, but I'm sure some people play it and enjoy that. And the other runner-up is Pandemic Legacy Season 2, which I was a bit lukewarm on, so I would very much pick other games over this, but I know uh, both the Pandemic name and the the goodwill people have for both this one and season one. I think I probably carried it through since this is, you know, let, let's be honest here. This is a popularity contest. It is how many votes can this get on a website? <laughs> There's no, you know, really nice controlled voting system here. So yeah, Seventh Continent and Pandemic Legacy season two are the runner-ups. And I'm sure everyone will be shocked by the winner. Gloomhaven. Yay. Good job, Gloomhaven. <laughs> now, what I am shocked by, because of the incredible love it's gotten, both like critically in reviews and in terms of just buzz, I'm really shocked that Spirit Island didn't make it into the runner-up category. Me too. I would imagine I- that it was probably like fourth or fifth vote-getter, although I, I didn't look at the actual tally. But yeah, I mean, I I think Spirit Island is a better designed game than probably any of the ones that won here i mean i love gloomhaven but i think it's got its wrinkles i think spirit island is almost flawless so i would agree so i'm a little disclaimer here i'm not as enamored with gloomhaven as everyone else is that doesn't mean i don't like it i actually like it a lot in fact i played just uh just last night before recording this podcast and enjoyed every moment of it but 
if I had to compare Gloomhaven to Spirit Island, I would definitely pick Spirit Island over it um, for how smooth it plays and for what I want personally out of each of those experiences. But I also wonder too if Spirit Island didn't make it higher on this list because it's not as widely available. I feel like it's still yeah. kind of hard to get. Well, it's not anymore. We just had uh, Chris Kirkman on our last episode, and and they are printing a ton now. And it is like I think it's on Amazon right now if you want to go buy it at a reasonable price. But you're totally right. Like it was definitely a slow rollout, and the first print run was not nearly enough to meet demand. So that that's a good call. I would liken that to the Oscars where like you have these amazing movies, but they came out like a week before the votes were tallied or they came out in February, like get out and people didn't get a chance to, to give it as much love as it could have received. So yeah, poor spirit Island. I think you deserve, (laughs) you deserve more success here, but so it goes. (laughs) And by the way, just to throw them out, we won't go through the entire solo game list, but since we do talk about solo games and I know both Steve and I are solo gamers uh, the runner-ups for the solo game category were Seventh Continent again, which there I would totally agree with that. Uh, Nemo's War, the second edition, which I played only co-op and did not enjoy as a co-op experience, but I could totally see it being a really nice solo experience. And Steve, I know you've had some experience with uh, Nemo's War, second edition, right? Yes, I've only played it solo, and I love it. Big fan of it. So I can I can definitely see why co-op might not be the most ideal. In fact, I avoided playing co-op because of that. Uh, but yeah, I'm all in on this game. Something about the adventure game and the theme, and it's a little bit of it's got a little bit of everything in there for everyone. Yeah, the the, the thing I'll say I, I think this is is it Victory Point Games that does yes. this in Dark Darkest Night. See, I've played Darkest Night quite a bit. I've played uh, Nemo's War, and and I. Although I understand why they're adding cooperative variants to games that were clearly designed as solo games, I think it doesn't work very well, both in this Agreed. and in Darkest Night. Because the big thing I notice in this one and in, and again in Darkest Night is the action point economy is so limited. Darkest Night, it's worse. Like, you do nothing on your turn in Darkest Night. You take an action and then do like 10 minutes of upkeep and event resolution and stuff. <laughs> so when you're like controlling four heroes and they all have different abilities, that's really fun. But when you're playing with like four people and they each just have to wait an hour for the board to do stuff, doesn't work too well. So solo game, I could see Nemo's War being great. But yeah, I don't, I don't think any of those Victory Point games really shine in the co-op realm. And so what was the winner for solo games? I have I have no idea. What do you think the winner was, Steve? <laughs> well, judging by the popularity stuff, I'm guessing it starts with a G and ends with a Haven. <laughs> uh, you are correct, sir. It is Gloomhaven again. Best solo game. And, you know, I'm, I'm fine with this. Uh, although I'm playing a three-person group game of Gloomhaven, I am further in my solo game, and I'm just... I can crank through the scenarios so much faster. So I, I love Gloomhaven Solo. It's a great experience. But you know what's maybe better than Gloomhaven Solo? It's not on this list at all, except for a nominee. Spirit Island. Yes. Spirit Island. Not not runner-up. Not first place. It's nothing. It is left in the dust. So really, really sad about that. <laughs> I love Spirit Island Solo. I've talked about that previously on this podcast. So I won't delve into it, but I even play one spirit in that one, which it's arguably better with two spirits, but it still works works fine with one spirit. Yeah, I, I've played almost exclusively one spirit game solo too, and it's just so it's so fast. I, mm-hmm. I can get through a one spirit game in like twenty minutes, and it's such a great experience, you know. Yep. Um, no, nah, it's it's a great game. 
All right, so Golden Geeks, Gloomhaven, Reign Supreme. And if you go and look at the awards, I think Gloomhaven carried like eight other categories as well. So <laughs> it's like the, the Titanic of its year or what's another recent movie that's won all the Oscars? Don't look at me. I'm bad with that stuff. <laughs> so. I, I, I teach a film class. I should be aware of this stuff. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> My wife keeps me informed of all the actors and actresses. It's, it's, I, it's, the, it's the shape of water of this oh, year. Yeah. Or, the shape or, of water, yes. <laughs> that, that's not a good example because that actually split a lot of awards. But got Best Picture, got their Best Director. That, 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 that's good enough for me. The Last Jedi of Oscars? Because it's not no, it's kidding. No. Well, the Last Jedi was incredibly... Actually, maybe, maybe that does work. Because it's Does a, it? I, I, I really like The Last Jedi, but it didn't get... Oh, wait, no, no. We're talking about Gloomhaven. Spirit Island is The Last Jedi of the That's Golden correct. Geeks Awards. Because <laughs> I think it's amazing, but a lot of people hate it or seem to be ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Steve will never have me on the show again because somehow we got into book and film discussion. And I'm just... I love it. <laughs> totally, you know, sullying the good name of Co-Opcast here dragging us through the mud of other genres and topics <laughs> we can geek out on lots of lots of stuff on this podcast that's for sure so. oh yeah yeah i mean that's what geeks do right mm-hmm. so that's gonna wrap up our podcast for today uh feel free to send us your comments let us know what you think of these golden geeks send them to at mvp board games on twitter and mvp board games at gmail if you'd like to send us an email um, and, you know, that, that goes for both co-opcast channels. We'll uh, take any suggestions you want, games you want us to cover or discuss, any of that kind of stuff. We would love to hear from you. And also, uh, Steve already mentioned it, but check out Colin, Colin the Absent One, the prodigal son returning after uh, his move is finished. Check out Colin's uh, YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop. He has some of our podcast uh, videos up on there. Or not videos. <laughs> to, sorry, don't go in with high expectations. These are just audio. <laughs> you don't the, want to uh, see our faces. <laughs> no, and, and you don't really want to. We're, we're not that pretty. No. Uh, maybe, maybe Steve, but not me. Oh, um, but yeah, so uh, you can listen to some of the episodes on there if YouTube is your fancy. And also see Colin just cranking through every, probably every co-op game on this list because he is a machine. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he does it. <laughs> well, I, I don't know either. We, we gotta get get some of his secret, and then maybe I'll actually beat Gloomhaven and sword <laughs> and sorcery and anything else I own. We found the magic formula. We just have to get it from him. You just have to be Colin, and then it all works out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's gonna wrap up our episode twenty eight. So let's tune in next week when we get back to uh, Mike and Peter on the co-opcast. Yeah, and I, I wish I could tell you what we're doing. We're doing something. It's going to be exciting. I'm uh, sure it'll be good. <laughs> Peter, Peter definitely told me what the game was. And I was like, yeah, we can do that. And then uh, I don't remember anymore. Oh, I think this might be wrong. I think it's going to be a little bit. I'll give you a hint. I won't even tell you the full name. A superhero card game. It has a little bit of like power upping and deck building sort of well not really deck building and uh is its own fun theme by a uh, a great game company so a a greater game company than some others you might know so yeah this should be a fun episode <laughs> I, I think steve has already figured it out maybe my clues were too obvious <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we'll, we'll be back next week with that. And Steve, thank you so much for letting me, me cross the, the pond. That's not right. You're not in England. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> thanks thanks for letting me cross, the this, 
cross the streams, you know, uh, walk down a bit to your neck of the woods and, and visit visit and see how the other half of co-op cast lives. Well, it's nice that we're in the same time zone here. It makes it easier on my on me. So absolutely. So I'll wrap it up and uh, join us next week. And see you guys later. Bye bye, everybody. Chits for uh, your brain fart. Your chit boards. Crap. Your your submarine. Your Nautilus. Your your morale. <laughs> your your no. crew members. What's, what's the, so like? Your, there's your quests. Your Euro trash. There's Ameritrash, and then there's war war gamers. War gamers. Oh yes, yes. War gamers. <laughs> okay. I didn't know what you were going for there. Sorry, <laughs> my, my my suggestions were way off. <laughs>